anyway, let's pray. Father in heaven, we thank you so much for this time that we can share together. What a joy it is. You have said that when we receive you, that if we abide in you, our joy will be full and your joy will remain in us. And that doesn't necessarily mean happiness, but it means a settled state of trust. That is what we want, dear Jesus, so that whatever the circumstance, we can trust and abide in you and bear much fruit. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. Yeah, so I love uh, the, the, the whole seed bear, the seed concept of the... Not yet, Evelyn. I'm not done yet. I have not surpassed my time yet. I do not need any warnings yet. Okay, so that's okay, Ev. It'll be just a minute. So I love this about fruit bearing. We, we talked in another class about how gifts are given, but fruit is grown. It's cultivated. It takes time. It takes watch care. It takes work. And just because it takes work and because it's hard doesn't mean God isn't in it, doesn't mean a miracle isn't happening, and it doesn't mean it's works because that is how we cooperate with our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, and he builds backbone instead of wishbone into our characters. Amen? Yeah. I'm, a, I'm a runaway by nature. The only way I ever knew how to solve any problem was running away. When Dane and I got married, we moved. Uh, the first time we moved, we went into our local church, and there was some kind of problem flared up, and somebody did whatever, and I was all out of control, and I, I said, Dane, we, we have to move. We've just got to leave and never go back there. And he said, Vicki, we're not even unpacked yet. <laughs> and, and I said, well, that'll make it just that much easier to load the truck and let's just get out of here. I don't ever want to go back there. I can't deal with these people. I can't, I can't, I can't, I can't. But you know what? Miracles come in cans. I can do all yeah. things through Christ, which strengthens me. And so he said, Vicki, we got a little problem. I said, what's that? He said, wherever we go, he said, there's people. He said, there's just nests of them everywhere. <laughs> he said, we can't get out, we can't get out of this thing. And, and the worst is, we're people and we're annoying. So, you know, we're just like in this. <laughs> so we didn't move. So Jesus said in John chapter 15, I love this. He says, by this, my father is glorified. Fear God, give glory to him. We glorify God in our body and in our spirits. They're all his. It's all a big package. It says, by this is my father glorified that you bear much fruit. So shall you be my disciples. Has anybody ever grown a hothouse plant? A hothouse plant. What happens when you put a hothouse green bean bush out in the real weather, out in the sun, out in the wind? What happens to it? It just dies. The wind, if it's in a hothouse, if it's raised in a hothouse, you put it out in weather and it's just gone. Uh, and so this is what Jesus adds to this verse. So it's one thing to create a hothouse experience and have a, 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 a sparkler type of experience with God. But it's another thing to, to be an investor, for the Holy Spirit to invest in you and you're investing in God. That's a process that takes place over time and it's not always pretty, is it? So I love this. It says, these things I've spoken unto you that your, my joy might remain in, to, in you and that your joy might be full. You did not choose me, but I chose you. He loved us first. We are not inclined toward God, but he's inclined toward us, praise the Lord. 
I have chosen you and appointed you that you should go and bear what? Fruit. fruit and that your fruit should what? Remain. remain. So that it should remain. And that so that whatsoever you ask the Father in my name, he will give it you to you. And so what we want to talk about today is the root of change. The root of change. You know, there's a little saying, rotten roots, rotten fruits. Good fruit, I mean good roots, good fruit. There's a saying that as the man thinks, the mouth speaks, and the man moves, right? We're going to do what we tell ourselves. We're going to do what we think. And in lifestyle programs, far too often, we're just dealing with external behavior rather than the root of what's driving that behavior, and that is our thinking. So I can, Evelyn could put, give a test right now. Is exercise good for you, yes or no? Yes. Is it good for your brain? Yes. Make you more creative? Yes. Better mood? Yes. New brain cells? Yes. Wonderful to sweat? Good for your heart. <laughs> so then why don't we do it? It's because of what we tell ourselves. I hurt, it's hot, I don't have time, I don't want to get my active wear dirty. You know, I mean, I, I've heard it all, I've done it all. But if you tell yourself the right things, you're going to do what you tell yourself. Amen? All right, so now we can get the lights, Ev. We're going to talk about mindset, which is the root of change. Of course, the, when I say that, Please understand that only G uh, the new birth experience in Jesus Christ can put a seed of obedience and to follow him in the heart. It's a new heart that we need. But sometimes we think that after we do that, it's like some button or key gets turned in our heads and all of a sudden we're going to know how to think right, act right, do right. But we have to work at it. Amen? We have to work at learning how to improve our reasoning faculties and our behavior and our lifestyle, just like anything else. It's a process of learning. It's like being in school. So change your mindset and change your life. So your brain is constantly reshaping itself according to what it thinks and learns. So what is mindset? The mindset we carry influences our thoughts and words and actions and even our health both physical and mental. It's been said, and I've already told you this, as the mind thinks, the mouth speaks, and the man moves. So we're, what we're asking ourselves today is, do you have a fixed or a growth mindset? Is that a good question for us to ask ourselves today? Well, first of all, I have to describe what that is. Carol, Carol Dweck is a social scientist and the author of a very fascinating book called Mindset. So in her research, she identifies and discusses two mindsets, which she terms the fixed or the growth or learning mindset. So the fixed or growth mindset manifests in all ages and in all life settings, including work, school, relationships, and we will discover even our walk with God is affected by our mindset. So in her research, she learned that the fixed mindset is a personality type, and it can be genetic. We can unintentionally uh, reinforce this in our children. So the fixed mindset believes that ability and personality are basically inborn, unchangeable, and set in stone. 
children, toddlers with this mindset will always choose easy puzzles because they have to affirm how smart they are. Fixed mindsets believe that they act, if they actually have to work at something, that it means they're lacking in basic intelligence or ability. For the fixed mindset, every situation calls for a confirmation of their intelligence, personality, or character. Every situation is evaluated. Will I succeed or will I fail? Will I look smart or will I look dumb? Will I be accepted or will I re be rejected? Will I feel like a winner or a loser? When fixed mindsets marry, they think that the relationship should be easy because after all, if it was meant to be, it should be problem free. And problems indicate deep flaws. Fixed mindsets are very fragile, although they are very difficult and perfectionistic type of people to get along with. They have no recipe for healing. So what does that mean? As a result, they're often more focused on how will I look rather than how can I learn in the face of challenges or flat out mistakes. So the fixed mindset has no strategy for growth, no recipe for healing. Mistakes and flaws are just too threatening to acknowledge. The first failure in a diet, the first bad grade on a test, the first argument in a marriage spells disaster. After all, if it was meant to be, it would be easy, right? Can some of you identify with this mindset? Sure. I love what Benjamin Barber said. He's a sociologist quoted in the book, and he says this. He says, I do not divide the world into the weak and the strong, the successes or failures, those who make it and those who don't. I divide the world into what? Learners and non-learners. So are you a learner or a non-learner? A learner outlook is another way of describing the growth mindset. So can you identify some fixed mindset thinking that might be operational in a certain area of your life? Here are some other clues. Fixed mindsets avoid challenges and tend to give up easily when confronted with problems. Did I just give you an example a couple of minutes ago of a classic fixed mindset in my own life? When I was trying to get into nutrition, I knew I'd have to take nutritional biochemistry. I knew that it would be tough. I started out with chemistry. I was in my 30s. I went with all these young college students and I took the wrong chemistry class. I took the one that's instead of designed for medical people, I took the one for engineers. So I'm sitting in this class with all of these young people who are figuring out how to build suspension bridges and measure yards of cement. And I would go home crying. I didn't understand. I didn't know what they were talking about. The teacher got so frustrated with me asking so many questions. He, one night he was kidding around and he told me I ought to go play on the speed bumps in the parking lot at break time. Oh, he was terrible. I went home crying and Dane said, you're a taxpayer and a citizen of these United States. He is a public servant. You pay his paycheck. It's the smart ones that ask the questions. Those kids are glad you're in there because you're asking what they're afraid. And he went on. It was all not true. None of it was true. But, but we, all, you know, we all need somebody in our corner. So I had to work four or five times as hard as every single kid in that class. But I did finally ace the thing. I aced the class. But I was this close to leave, abandoning this field forever. So now what I would like to 
say to you is afterwards I have a second business hanging suspension bridges if any of you would like <laughs> some information. <laughs> so they tend to ignore, uh, fixed mindsets tend to ignore criticism. They find other people's success threatening. They tend to be negative, anxious, unforgiving of themselves and others when mistakes are made. The first task for a fixed mindset is to accept the great news that attitude is more important than aptitude when it comes to learning and growing. Does that sound like a more biblical mindset to you? Yeah. Learning, the learning mindset. So growth mindsets, growth mindsets believe that although people differ in basic aptitude and temperament, everyone can change, grow, and improve. A growth mindset is concerned with improving. The fixed mindset is concerned with being judged. Do you want to have a growth mindset? Yes. Yes. Jennifer Willett was a woman who did not do well in physics. She didn't think girls did physics. This was, she's an older woman. And she was interested in science, so all through her school years, she was, took the sciences, but she avoided physics. She went to college, she did doctoral work, master's work, postdoc, ended up working at the National Institute of Health. One day, she was coming down the stairs, and she saw three Nobel laureates standing by a copy machine trying to figure out what button to push to make a copy. And she just had her aha moment. She said, you know what? Learning is much more about familiarity than intelligence. She decided to familiarize herself with physics. She wrote an amazing book called Black Bodies and Quantum Cats, and it's a book about understanding physics in everyday life. It was on the New York Times bestseller list for five weeks. Uh, it's, an, it's a really interesting book. You can learn about the Fibonacci sequence, the golden ratio, how these artists use these things, how cameras work, and you know, all those things we've always wondered about and never could figure out. So anyway, she, she had this amazing experience, and it really is more about familiarity and focus than it is about native intelligence. So growth mindsets have a passion for stretching and growing even when they are what? Making mistakes and facing challenges. I think the big difference between Judas, one big difference between Judas and Peter, they both had serious character flaws. Judas refused to confront his. He was unsurrendered for one thing, but Peter made serious mistakes. Look at the difference between David and Saul, the record of David's life is filled with very serious uh, lapses in judgment and problems and flaws, but he had a learner mindset because Jesus put it in his heart to grow and learn instead of just to automatically have it all together. Saul couldn't admit when he made a mistake and he made up stuff when he was caught. Children with this mindset will choose hard puzzles. They like the challenge and are not concerned with failure. They're concerned with learning. A growth mindset allows you to thrive during challenging times in your life. These make good leaders in team situations because if you get a team together to hold a program, there are going to be mistakes and problems and flaws. And uh, people make mistakes. And so knowing that your leader understands this, and, and if you are dealt kindly with when you make a mistake, then you will have a very loyal team member uh, forever. 
and, and I have been dealt with so kindly when I've made mistakes. Our Simple Solutions book had an 800 number. Our first edition of Simple Solutions had an 800 number that was the wrong number. 20,000 copies. It was, it was a number to a specialty tobacco company, okay? So, <laughs> so if you are severely depressed and, you know, and stressed and depressed and you, you, know, you really need help, you call that 800 number and we've got a tobacco for you. <laughs> I, I, I remember we, we printed 20,000 copies of that book and I remember waking up and realizing what we had done and I just thought this would be a good day to get hit by a train. I did not want to be, go to work, I wasn't sick, my sinuses didn't hurt, no, nothing. I had to go tell Jay, our conference president. And I remember him sitting in the office, you know, these micro expressions. He went, I saw it, I saw him do that. He, he was in shock. And then immediately he was in fix-it mode. Let, let's see, well, we're gonna watch those numbers next time. Do you think I needed a lecture at that point on checking numbers? Oh no, <laughs> I'm hyper about it now. And this problem was solved, and I became so loyal uh, because I was treated so graciously. These are the, this is the mindset we must have when we're working together. Because you know what? We grow spiritually when we're with God, but we mature when we're in, with each other. And, and maturity means you are learning to work with flawed people as a flawed person yourself. So this, allow, this mindset allows you to learn in school, relationships, work, and personal growth, like that diet plan or that friendship or that job or you know, learning how to not be messy or whatever the thing is that's difficult for you. Marriage, Marriage okay. <laughs> Learner individuals have a growth outlook instead of a prove myself orientation to life. So they tend to embrace challenges. They tend to persist in the face of obstacles instead of giving up. They see effort as a path to mastery. They tend to be people who will listen to the views and feedback and opinions of other people. They learn from criticism. They are not defeated by failure. They're inspired by other people's success. You know, these traits don't develop automatically uh, in, in a lot of us. We actually have to practice. Practice does not just make permanent. Pra practice doesn't just make perfect. Practice makes permanent, amen? So the good news today, and we're almost done, is that the fixed mindset is fixable. Number one, and this is part of a program. It's a shortened version of a program that, that you can do in your church or in your home so that you can make your home a home of hope. It's one of the 24 scripted PowerPoint presentations that's available to you. So first of all, we need to learn to identify and replace these faulty internal monologues. We need to learn how to say what's true instead of what we feel. God's word is true, amen? amen. Second, train your mouth. You got nuclear power under your nose. Train your mouth to speak God's word instead of untrustworthy feelings. Our words have a powerful effect on our thoughts, mood, and emotions, as well as on others. So as you learn God's words, you will speak them more often, and finally they're going to become automatic. Words have power. The Bible compares the tongue to a tiny bit in a, in a horse's mouth that controls and guides the nature of a 2,000-pound animal. It compares the tongue to a small rudder that navigates a two-block-long ship through a storm. So our words influence our nature, our character, and how successfully we navigate through stormy trials. 
So no man can tame the tongue, but God can. Amen. We need to, ta- we need to train it. We may, may not be able to tame it, but we need to train it. So third, hold yourself accountable. You may have had a dark past, but you can have a, a bright future. I like what Jerry says. He says, I don't, what is that saying you have about reflect, re, taking up resident? It, it's, it's a point of reference, not a place of residence. Your past is a point of reference, not a place of residence. I don't want to forget that. It's true. No matter how challenging your life has been, you can refuse to stay there. You know what I love about the story of the three worthies when they were in that fiery furnace and it was heated how many times hotter? Ten times hotter? The Bible says they got out of there. They had no ropes. They weren't bound. Jesus was with them in the, in the furnace. But the other thing I really like about that story is that they didn't stink. There was not one smell of smoke on them when they got out of that furnace. And I don't want to walk around with my life smelling of my past. I want to be a new creature in Christ with a fresh smell. Amen? The incense of the Holy Spirit. Behold, he says, I will do a new thing. Now it will spring forth. Jesus is called the lily of the valley, a root out of dry ground. His circumstances did not keep him from flourishing in God, and it doesn't have to keep us from it either. Sometimes God gives you grace to stay in a situation. Sometimes he gives you grace to go, and it's the Holy Spirit's leading and the truth of God that will show you. I will even make a way in the wilderness and rivers in the desert. How many of you would like to have that experience in your life? Just raise your hand with me. If that's your decision today, you want to work on that learning mindset. Jesus said, learn of me. He's the quintessential teacher. And if we are willing to learn, he will transform our nature so that it becomes a pleasure instead of a pain to learn new things. Amen? Amen. All right. We're going to go to Evelyn now. And learn where what this part is purposeful. What's the second part of our boot camp? Number one is purposeful. What we do is purposeful. Number two, it's practical. And number three, it's it's personal. That's right. And that'll be Jerry's piece today. It's purposeful, practical, and personal. Okay, thank you, Vicki. Vicki just shared three things. This is a test. What are the three things to help us to change our mindset? What was number one? Number one on the list. Identify and replace faulty monologues. Okay, so we're looking at thoughts, right? Thoughts. What was the second one? Say what's true about how we feel. What was the second one? (laughs) What we speak. What comes out of our mouth. And number three. Be accountable. accountable. Thinking about our thoughts. Do you know what you say when you talk to yourself? Have you ever listened to what you say when you talk to yourself? Do you think it's a good idea to know what you're thinking? Because it's those thoughts that actually become actions, right? And the example that Vicki was using on exercise or even on eating healthy foods. Everybody in this room could tell us all the reasons why, but did you go for a walk today, a purposeful walk? I know you walked from your camper, and sometimes we get enough. But what is it, what's going on in your daily life with what you know? Are you doing what you know? 
And how is it that you get yourself to do what you know? Vicki and I are working on a stop smoking program and uh, it should be ready in August, <laughs> we think. <laughs> and in it, one of the things that we are suggesting is a better way journal. And in this better way journal, you record some of these things. You record the positive choices, the positive thoughts and the positive choices that were made that day. You're reflecting back on your day and seeing tomorrow. What is it that I can do so that tomorrow will be a successful day? So in our thinking, you're sitting there and you're, you, you've got some kind of a goal in mind. You came to camp meeting with a goal. You, you came here to, to gain spiritual health. But I hope that because you're coming to these sessions that there's something about physical health that you, are, you, that you wish to attain as well. How do, we, how do we move toward that? First, we become aware. We become aware that we, we, there's something that we need. And it becomes with the thoughts. If you look at the brain in the thought process, the same neurons fire in our thought process as when we actually do something. It's a practice. And you're, if you're always bringing yourself down and thinking negative thoughts, that actually leads to negative behavior. So some, the, the, we, there are many of us who beat up ourselves in our brain and then we wonder why we don't get traction in our life. So it's catching those thoughts. Am I thinking things that are not true? How do we know what truth is? Where do we find out what truth is? You read the book, right? And that's how you can say, now is this a thought that would come from God? And is this a thought that needs to be changed? Through one of the challenges that I have in my life is balance. We, we call our magazine balance, but how do you balance time? How do you balance the, the, the uh, activities that are going on? And so when I'm called to, to make a presentation, do a class or whatever, I want to say yes to every request I get. I mean, that's my nature. That's what I want to do. And I open my calendar and I go, oh, where? And so I ask myself, what would Vicki say? But if I would ask, what would I expect Vicki to do, I'm going to make a better choice for myself. I would not expect anyone sitting in any of these chairs to do what I do. Would you expect someone to do all the things that you do in your life? No, no way. Because we, we expect more from ourselves than sometimes we can actually give and then we get burned out, we get stressed out, and then we go to comfort foods or whatever, addiction, or whatever is going to help us to feel better. And so it's finding that balance. So I'm always looking through somebody else's eyes when I'm trying to make that decision. You know, what, what would, it, what, I, I've got something going in my, on in my head, these thoughts. Would I want my daughter to be saying that in her head? Would I want Vicki to be saying that in her head? And if, if the answer is no, 
then it doesn't belong there either. It's time to change it. It's time to change those thoughts because those thoughts lead to actions. And is it possible? Have you done that? Have you made a decided effort to change a thought pattern that you have? And you can say, it doesn't belong here. And to put yourself, and I, I use this all the time, what would I expect from somebody else? And it really helps me to balance what's going on. And so in this Better Way journal, if you write down what were the positive choices that I made today, what were the positive choices I made for breakfast or whatever, and that, that reinforces making that positive choice again. It's like putting a, putting a sticker on it and saying, that's a positive choice because we tend to only look at the negative behavior. And if we focus on that negative behavior, then we're gonna lead down that road, aren't we? So checking those thoughts and moving them. And then what are the words that we speak? It first has to come through the thoughts and if we've started our day on the right track and we hear truth coming through God's word, and we're thinking that, then the words that come out, and we believe what comes out of our mouths. So if we speak it, it becomes truth. So speaking in a positive way is moving in that direction also. It's very, very powerful. Um, so thinking maybe, maybe, this maybe something like a Better Way journal is something that can help you move in um, a positive direction. Okay, so what I'd like for you to do right now is you've heard some amazing things from Vicki on a fixed and a learner mindset. And when we read this book together and started working on, on this, uh, this whole subject, I thought, you know, I, I, I'm a learner mindset. You know, I think everybody can learn, you know, uh, I like But there was one area I thought, I'm not that. I could never be that. I had a fixed mindset about being artistic. I thought, you're born with, to be artistic. You know, either you got it or you don't. My daughter has it. She didn't, it didn't come through my genes. Uh, <laughs> uh, but I, I discovered that I had a fixed mindset in that area of my life. And so I decided, okay, I teach this stuff. What are you going to do about it? <laughs> My husband asked me those questions too. Yes, yes. I, I always wanted to have some type of an artsy something, but I never saw it. And so when I homeschooled my kids, we took a few sessions of uh, working with clay on the wheel and stuff. And so I started taking clay classes. I thought, hmm. I can make something that makes, I, I can make something that you can drink out of. I can make cups and they hold water, <laughs> except one of them. I was serving at a, <laughs> I, I was having a shower for someone and I had all my little cups out there and someone poured hot water in it and it came through. But most of them, <laughs> that was the only one that didn't. I shouldn't tell you that. Uh, <laughs> but, um, we can learn in all areas of our life. And sometimes we think, well, if it's not easy to eat healthy, I'm not going to do it. If it's not easy to exercise, I'll never be able to do that. You know, and it's, it's taking that step of, I can do this. I can take one step at a time and make, get traction. Yeah. So from what Vicki shared with you, 
uh, I want you to talk to each other for just a minute on what is it that you think that uh, would give you traction in your life? Is it, is it looking at what do you say when you talk to yourself? Is it watching the words that come out of your mouth? Is it, and, and do you see yourself with a fixed mindset or a learner mindset? So discuss that while Jerry comes up here. I'm wondering if someone would share something that you have, you're sharing with each other. Typically we give quite a few minutes for people to talk, <laughs> but we are moving right along. So what do you think? How many of you think you're learner mindsets? You think you have a learner mindset? You can't hear me, can you? How many of you are fixed mindsets? Okay. And how do you see, how do you see that as, as um, in, in the light of what Vicki shared? Being a fixed mindset. Huh? Oh, you think? Yeah. You, I, in some areas of your life, you may be a fixed mindset, and in other areas, learner mindset. Uh -huh. So in those areas where you're identifying, you're creating awareness, which is the first step of change, is the awareness. And then from that awareness, you can go, how, you know, how can I have a learner mindset in this area of my life? And how do, what do you start with? Thoughts. And then you move to how do I speak? Yeah, to myself, to myself and others. What? I've been watching my mouth. You've been watching your mouth. That's a good thing to watch what comes out of your mouth. Yes. Well, I have a parent who has a fixed mindset. A parent? We all have people in our life who have fixed mindsets. A trauma as a child. The weight in, in, within our family structure, because of that, we were never able to address problems or issues or talk about It was people. hard to talk about problems or issues. Yeah. yeah, and so you grow up in this environment where it's not. Nothing can be talked about. Nothing, no, yes. Not recognize that I made a mistake, I can't. Yeah, if there's a mistake, it's hard to get forgiveness, yeah, and that kind of thing. And so we grow up in, in maybe these toxic kind of environments, maybe that's a strong word, but we, we, do, we all grow up in challenge, we all have challenges in the growing up experience. And then as we become adults, we start to recognize that, and then we have the opportunity of making changes. I see a lot of pain in this parent. A lot of a lot of pain in, in the person's life that has a fixed mindset yes. and you really wish that was different but what can you do to change it to be a listener we we can't really change another person but we can change ourselves and and changing ourselves that is often a reflection that is a stepping stone for another person isn't it or helping them to get help where they may need help yes but but there's a lot of painful stuff that we have to go through, isn't it? Yes. Thank you for sharing that. Yeah, but you're, you believe what? I'm not a fixed. You don't. You don't think you're a fixed mindset. Okay. But on the other, and, and I think that has allowed God to lead me in ways that, and I can look back in time now because. I've you can look back and see how God has led you. God has led me, and He's taken me to, to a path I never thought I would. You never realized that you could go this path. How God has led you. And God has led you because you have had a learner mindset and have been 
you have allowed God to lead you. Well, yeah. I, that's, in retrospect, that's, I think, what happened, even though there was some disappointment along the way, not being able to do what I went to school for. Uh, so your pathway changed in your, uh, in your occupation. And you're gr very grateful that God keeps on navigating your life. Yes, in spite of ourselves. Yeah, way in the back. You know, I was reflecting on this thought, and uh, I remember that friend one day saying that, you know, someone told him that you're close-minded, but he says, you know. Someone says, refers to someone as being closed-minded. I need to repeat as you say it. Okay. And the response was very classic. He said, I am very open-minded, but I am only open to the Holy Spirit. I'm very open-minded, and but because I'm open to the Holy Spirit. So, you know, I was thinking about this, and I'm like, you know, yes, even in our open-mindedness to be able to learn. Be able to learn with an open mind. Yeah, there's still a filter which we use when it comes to principles. Yes. It is fixed. We don't have to break principles because we learn something. Right. But we also have to have a paradigm in which we filter anything that we're learning so that we yes. don't just get all over the place. Amen. Yes, you're right. right. You're absolutely right. Yeah. Um, I have a mother uh, that has been um, spending her life savings on a son who has nothing but milked her for all of her savings. So you ha there's a parent that's spending everything that they have on a son. A son who's been, a who's been, who's been in prison uh, and he is the most manipulative mm -hmm. individual that I could know, I am, but I have been praying, how can I help my mother? Yes, there's, there's, there, you wish that you could help someone who's doing something to enable another. Yes, uh -huh. and for the first time I see some light. And, and now you're seeing this. some light. Yes, I can at least approach her and ask her questions and help her to think about what's going on where I, I didn't know what to say to her before. So you feel like that you have gained some knowledge and, yes. and an opportunity is open so that you can have this uh, conversation and you're seeing some healing take place. Yeah. think things through. Yes. Where she is just, uh -huh. that's, she has this mission. I have to save my son. Yes, she, she, she loves so much that she's maybe going beyond some things that should be done. Yeah, but you're seeing progress. Yes, yes, that's wonderful. Okay, next we're gonna move on to Jerry and he's gonna share with us. Haven't you been enjoying uh, Jerry's sharing with us? Thank you so much for being with us. Well, thank you. Let's see how this goes. Right there. Right there. Is that right? Sounds good? Yes, thank you. I was saying to uh, Evelyn, uh, something and I, she said, well, you should share it with Vicki. And I say this in all due respect, you can flick that light off, please, thank you. I can say this in all due respect when I say this, is that I lived in the States before, but this is the first time I've ever thought I'd actually like to live here. <laughs> so I could be part of this team. So I could be part of this team. And that uh, you folk have made me so welcome and, and I can, I, that, that's from the heart. That's from the heart. I was thinking about that this morning. Go, you know what? I don't want to go. <laughs> I'm actually going to go to Ontario from here and, I, and to see family and, I, and, and visit some people from the past. And I was just thinking, you know what? 
I'd rather stay here. I'm just getting energized and I'm sort of sad that tomorrow's the last day, you know, for this program. And, uh, but I know God still has a great work here. I, I don't know how much I'm trying to get through this, but I'll try to do, I, 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 I might just adapt it. So what I'm going to do, what I share here today is basically talking about an attitude and mind, uh, a mindset. I'm going to be sharing today about in 2013, how my place and a number of places in my town, the High River, got wiped out with a flood. Then tomorrow, I'm going to be sharing that how the home was rebuilt. Well, a little bit today, but also what all happened and how that home, as you're talking about a home of help, when the Samaritan's Purse was uh, coming around to different areas and helping, that's what they had on homes that they helped, home of help. And so we'll be sharing about uh, how groups are uh, being, um, how we have groups there, group functions, uh, suppers, uh, Sabbaths, and because there isn't a church in that area. So how God took this situation and how it's being used for his glory. So that's going to be tying in with today and tomorrow. Uh, so it was June the 20th, uh, 2013, where the flood started in my hometown and the water came up very quick. And here's a picture of this old house. I bought this old house. It used to be a, a, a booze and, a, and everything else type of house that used to go through there. It used to have red and uh, yellow siding on it, painted, and everybody knew it in town, one of the most famous houses in town, because it was called the Mustard and Ketchup House. <laughs> and uh, so anyway, this is me walking from helping sandbag and this water came up that fast. It was like three feet of water in my area. And I walked and I was walking. I was going, oh, no, what's going to happen here now, you know? And uh, so I went into the house and everything was all over the place. And so I, I needed to go in and get what I could because I had to get out. They were evacuating everybody from town. So anyway, as they were evacuating everybody from town, um, is that why? Yes, they're evacuating everybody from town. You had to get out your little belongings you can get. So, of course, what do I get, first of all? The Bible, the Bible bag. Okay, everything else can stay. I took my Bible bag, my lesson quarterly. Look at that. It was on miracles. The lesson quarterly, right? I took my jean jacket and, I, and a pair of pants, and I had on a pair of sandals, and that was on a Thursday night. And I, what I did was I grabbed the stuff and I was walking through the water and this was from the end. I jumped on this here truck. A guy says, get on the truck and the stuff was floating all over the place. And I was thinking, that might be the last time I'm going to see that place. I was working on it, but I was, it was a lot of work on that house. I remember one day I was saying to God, I said, you know, this is all insured, you know, and uh, you are in control of lightning. <laughs> Well, I didn't get lightning, and I got water instead. So it wasn't because of my prayer, but that's what happened. So it was going, and I didn't know what was going to happen. It was uninsured? Yeah, yeah, but the the insurance didn't cover. I was saying to God it was insured. You can cause lightning, okay? So here, as we went around the corner, this was the Baptist church. That's how high the water was. There was a Baptist church. How high was that water? Three feet. Here it went up to eight feet. So there was the Baptist church, then just another block from me was the Kingdom Hall, right? And that was the only churches around in that area. 
So we made it through there. Now I'm coming up, and this is when we got onto dry land, and I'm looking back. And that's how high the water was in through there. I, it was pretty uh, devastating, you know. And uh, so that night, uh, somebody invited me to go stay at their, uh, their uh, daughter's place. So I went there. It was across the highway. We all, had, like I said, we had to get out of town. And I was really, I was, didn't know exactly all what was going to happen. And, you know, you're looking, I'm praying about it. And at this time and still presently, my son has cut off all communication with me. So I, I couldn't even really get in touch with my son to even let him know what was happening. I did let him, I get it. I had told him what was happening through a text and that and a phone. But I never did receive anything back. And so anyway, and the grandchildren, so it was no communication with the grandchildren. So there's a little heavy little of a load there. And I'm sitting in that house that day. And, you know, there is liquor out, you know, and as I shared in the, uh, a little bit in, uh, in a few days ago, how I dealt with the drug issues and the alcohol and that to deal with pain. And as I went to the counter to get a drink of water, there was all the liquor bottles there. And I saw, I won't even name the, the brand, but I saw a, a liquor that I, that I used to drink, a big bottle of it. And I just looked at it. And I just said, Lord, help me. And you know what the amazing thing? At, I had at first when I looked at it, had a, like a body sensation that I used to get when I used to drink this stuff, just by looking at it. And I said, Lord, help me. And my eyes, it just the bottle just went blurry, and I just turned my head. And I, as I turned my head, I felt all that peace, and I wanted a single happy day. So I knew, that was a, I knew that was a turning point. Talking about attitude, I knew that was a turning point. Now, my wallet was inside of my truck, and I parked it on a high hill. I thought it was going to be safe there. I went in the next day to get my wallet out. And lo and behold, the water was so high, the water went right into the glove box of the truck. That's how high the water was. And as I was walking from my place, this is what you saw. The vehicles were turned over. And this is only a block and a half from my, uh, my place. A lady I knew. I knew the gentleman. I knew the girl. Uh, she died. She drowned right in those trees. They found her a few days later. And another guy, another family I knew, they found him in the, in the trees there. That's how, how severe it was. The thing is, is that I walked up that hill. I remember walking up that hill, and the RCMP was with a truck. And the mayor of the town, who's also the uh, uh, funeral director, he was in the back of the truck. And I looked at him, and he just nodded at me. And then the officer in the back of the pickup truck was holding the body bag. And it was one of the people I knew that was going up that hill as I was walking up. And as I walked away from there, I says, I thank you, Lord, that I'm safe. Now, so I stayed at that place for a couple of days. It's, it's uh, Sabbath morning. I have part in the church lead out from the front. I have old jeans on. I have sandals on. And I have my Bible bag. I don't have a vehicle. So what I do is I get out on the highway and I hitchhike and I pray, Lord, I said, I used to hitchhike a lot in the 60s and the early 70s, right? I said, Lord, may the right vehicle come and pick me up. A guy picked me up. He actually took me out of his way and we had a very good conversation and went on to the spiritual level. He took me out of, it, out of my way to take me to pretty close to where the church was. And here I am, church in the morning. And do you know what? It's the earliest 
I've ever been to church. <laughs> no vehicle. And I actually hitched like, and it was earliest. I was sitting at the church with my Bible bag and the church is locked. And this is about 45 minutes, okay, away. And um, so that was quite interesting. And I still haven't been there that early since. But it was just amazing how that worked out. So what I did is I went back to my vehicle and I got, uh, like I said, I got my wallet and that. And then I, they, they, they held us out of town. We couldn't go to town for uh, approximately two weeks. And uh, I was staying at this place. And here is what happened. I go to church. I don't have a vehicle. I really didn't want to stay where I was staying. So there wasn't the family. And, and it just, and I said to somebody at church there, I said, do you still want me to go up in the front of the church? Here I'm in my old jeans and sandals. And they said, go ahead, that's you. <laughs> you know, that's, that's what it is, right? That's church. And I, so I went ahead and had the ser- uh, part of the service. And after the service, a family said, hey, we're going to Florida. Here's a vehicle, uh, keys for our fairly new vehicle. Take it and use it. And when you want, you can go back and stay at our place. So here I hitchhike to church with sandals on. I come back with a vehicle and a house to stay in. How, how, can, how can you beat that? Plus, it was the earliest time I've ever been to church. So when I went back and start rooting through things, I come across Vicky, the living Freedus. See, I put them on water, see all the water, how it took the ink off, and so they're not, you know what I mean? It was, so I spread them out, and so gratefully you folk uh, sent me the new whole set for that, and I always carried those in my truck. I always carried them behind the seat, because you never knew who I was going to meet and go and actually and spend some time with. Now, after the flood, a few of us, well, the whole town got together and started working, but this gentleman with the hat on this right, this side with a striped shirt, as Pastor Don Corkum, he come to, he's a real man, what a, what a man, what a spiritual man. He came and he joined me in the town, other people, and this is my neighbor. We went out there and we just got right into the muck. We had prayer and we said, Lord, teach us where to go. And we went, we went to this place, we went to another a place to help. And we're helping in this house. And these, I think there was about 12 ladies came. I think there were about 12 ladies came. And I could see, okay, that they were gay, right? And they came and they said they wanted to help out. And I could see who the leader was, okay? Who was the domineering one of the the whole group, right? And so she was the one I made the contact with. And we got underneath that house and we were digging and we were working and at break time, I would go out and it's just the, the ladies and myself would be sitting inside the bank and talking. And we had such a beautiful, beautiful experience together. And it was my prayer, Lord. Uh, you know where they are, Lord. And um, anyway, I gave them a gift. And uh, Lord, I just pray for them now. What happened is after I got into town, it was really, the spirits were really low in the town. And so I had some artwork, an old painting. And what I did is I took it and I screwed it on the side of the wall just for it to dry out and lift up the spirits of the town. I screwed it onto the wall. And I took another one and I put it on the wall and I took a, a, a can of spray paint and I just sprayed on the side of the house art wall. And do you know what happened? I went and put up some screws. This is what happened. <laughs> this old house, it turned into an art wall. 
and, and what happened is, is that people were coming from all over and they were sticking up their art on the wall. And there's a one here, this is here, the Garden of Gethsemane, right here. This picture right here, I said to the pastor of the Baptist church, I said, do you have any new old art here? He says, yeah, we have the Last Supper. It's got mud all over it. And I said, perfect, perfect. So he says, go into the old church and get it. So I went and got it and I screwed it right onto the wall. I've heard stories where people were standing out there praying by the Garden of Gethsemane, this elderly lady. So there are some amazing things that happened. And uh, I, that Newfoundland flag up top in the right corner here, this one, the brothers, they just, just before that, I, I knew his brother, the other brother was uh, into cocaine and he actually uh, killed himself, right? Then this happens. So we got together and we talked and they brought a flag and they wrote a saying, till we see, see you again. And they brought that flag from Newfoundland and we put it up there. So it, was, it became a real, like a ceremony place, right? And the media picked up on it and there were stories and children were coming by there. It was just amazing. I even had a big X and O board. See my sister, one sister right here, right there. I made an X and O board so people would come by and we play X and O's. And, and, and it was building, you know what it was? Building community. The stories that have happened out of this, it is amazing of the people talking and still want to talk about that. Then you make the connection with them. Then you ask them for supper. Then you share the other stories, the gospel, the other part of the gospel, right? So what comes out of that? I was pretty, I was in a tough spot. I had a house that had $130,000 mortgage. The government wasn't going to help. The insurance looked at it, said three feet of water, no help. Okay. The church wasn't helping. I'm just saying that bluntly. Okay. So I had nothing. I had a $130,000 mortgage, and they said the property was worth $40,000. People were saying, just walk away, leave it, leave it, leave it. And I said, no, I'm going to stick through. Stick it through because it's my debt. Okay? And it was a private mortgage. And I, I, I met with the guy, and I told him, I'm going to stick through with it. And he was so happy. And you know, by sticking through, my sister... This is the part I was wondering what I was going to say, but I'm going to say it. My sister, who is dying of cancer, pancreatic cancer. I was up north in 2012 putting on the Living Free program. And I was up there for just about eight weeks at that time. And I got a call from her on December the 12th, 2012. And she lived a hard life. I mean a hard life. And uh, she wasn't open to God or anything, and I didn't push it, but she phoned me, and she said, Jerry, I've been diagnosed with pancreatic and liver cancer. And she says, the reason why I'm calling you is because I know you talk to God. (laughs) Her and I were the closest of the nine of us, nine of us, right? Her and I were close. She started a fundraiser. She took her focus off her illness and started a fundraiser. And here's the other part was so amazing. I'd go over and see her and she was living with a guy. She was married, but still living with a guy. And he was an atheist. But the Lord would have put on my heart to just go and visit them. So I'd just go and visit with them. And I had a few neat little DVDs, okay? And you know the story that was on TV, the Bible? 
okay? We're talking about it. We just came up in the conversation. They said they'd like to see it. Here's the thing about my sister. She knew in my past that I went to make restitution, and I shared with her making restitution for the, all the wrong that I did was part of my healing and part of my growth, and it was also a witness. She always said to me, I never brought it up. She would bring it up. She says, that is not necessary to do, and I just leave it. Now, we would watch these here programs, and before we'd leave, he would get up, and he would get up, and he goes, let's have prayer. And the three of us would hold hands and have prayer. It got to the point that she was so ill, she couldn't even go to her, her bed. She was just laying on the couch. And when I'd go over and see her over those months, I'd be, Lord, I'd be praying, Lord, I wonder where is she in her walk? Where is she in her walk? And the Lord was, I wanted to ask. I wanted to ask if you accepted Jesus as your personal savior and I wanted to lead her to Jesus. But you know what the Holy Spirit said to me? That's you. You want to do that right now for yourself. Wanting to know. But watch what I will do. Not voices on awareness. Watch what I will do. And I'd spend time with them just listening. Then what happened, one day she said to me, just her and I talk, and she says, you know what? You're right about something. I said, what's that? She says, about making things right with people. But she says, I don't know if I can. And I shared about the, uh, the guy on the cross, okay? And at that time, I still wanted to have prayer, or a surrender prayer with her and everything, but it was still no wait. Then what I did is I went over there one day. It was the evening time. And she had on the show, The Waltons, her favorite show. And she was laying there. She was literally skin and bone on the couch. She didn't have long to live, right? She was on the couch. And here's the amazing thing. This is how God works. On this, pro, on this program she really enjoyed, I'm sitting there with her in the dark watching it. And it's about a preacher that comes into town and he's speaking about salvation and surrendering to Jesus. On the what? John Ritter, whatever, he played that role. He was speaking on that, and she was listening. And she would bring up the subject while I'm sitting there listening. Then at the end of the show, the song came on, Just As I Am. Just As I Am. And I'm sitting there, and she starts singing it, and her hand goes up, and she's tears in her eyes. Just As I Am. She passed away two days later. Amen. And when I was there, when after I went, I went over the house, the, the, the funeral people came over and they said to, my, uh, to the guy that she was living with, the atheist guy, she, he says, okay, we're going to help out and do all these, these things. Now, do you need someone to help you conduct the service? He looked at her and he says, we already have somebody. And he looked at me to do it. So here at the opportunity, and I said to him after, I says, I'll do it under this condition. I'm going to share exactly what happened about her also surrendering to Jesus and singing just as I am. And he goes, you do it, because that's what happened. So that's what I was able to share at her service. So I just wanted to share that. The reason why I'm sharing that, I went a little off. I needed to share that. It was on my heart to share it this morning. I didn't know if I was going to make it through. But there's someone you might be praying for. You want to ask. You want to do these things and that. Just make sure that's the Holy Spirit leading. Just make sure it's the Holy Spirit leading. And never, ever give up. Never give up.
So anyway, so what happened? I started getting the house. After nothing was going to happen, I remember going in the mailbox and I got a letter from the government saying, we are not going to help you. Your house is dangerous the way it's sitting. You have to knock it down at your own expense. We might move a little dirt. And the day I went to the mailbox and got that letter, I was standing there. I saw two guys come walk around the corner. And I happened to know one of them. He was with Samaritan. Both of them were Samaritan's person. One was a, a pastor, ex-pastor. And we stood there and I told him about what we just talked. And we stood at my corner by that mailbox and we had prayer and we put this letter and we put that whole house in situation up to God and watch what God does, right? So amazing things happen. I was sitting, and even though all that time they said that they weren't going to help, I was sitting with a guy I knew because I went to a camp for a year. They put us in a camp. Okay, it was out of a home. And there I knew a guy from before, but he used to be a debt collector for the Hells Angels, right? And he wanted a change in his life. And him and I are sitting at this table. He's saying, oh, I want to do this to help out kids. I want to do this, right? And I was just sharing them. Just, just put everything to God, okay, and watch what happens. As I'm saying that, I get a phone call. Out of a phone call, right, I look at it. It's the government. So I said, excuse me. I went outside, and they said, you know, we just reviewed your file. We want to give you $70,000. I'm saying, wow, okay, that's great. So I, I went back in. I said, thank you. I went in and I said to this guy, I'm in the cafeteria of our camp. I said, this is what just happened. Keep on thinking on the right path, attitude, think the right path. I got on my knees right in that cafeteria and I said, thank you, God. And you know what? They got in touch with me later and said, we want to give you more. We want to give you $170,000. It was more than even what they were supposed to give, but that's what they gave. So the, all these things unfolded, right? And here is the next picture of helping. There's Don Corkum again, my, my sidekick. He comes there, we're insulating. Here's the story, here's the amazing thing. He comes and he's helping, we're having prayer together. And who, I, they actually, they put out a word. It's World Renew. It's a Christian Reformed Church. And I'm not plugging the Christian Reformed Church. But I'm telling you facts, what happened, right? The Christian Reformed Church, what they did is they got in touch and they says, uh, at World Renew, I didn't know who they were, right? And I went there. I had to fill out an application. And one of the questions was, do you have anybody that you can talk to? And I wrote, my Lord and Savior right? And I gave the sheet to the lady. She looked at it and smiled and she rubbed it, a part of it out and she filled something in there. And I said, what did you put in there? She goes, our Lord and Savior, <laughs> right? So I said, okay, these are, you know, Christian, right? What the, what the world, redid, what the Christian Reformed Church did, they went and they bought all the insulation. They bought all the vapor barrier. They bought all the drywall. They bought all the paint for the walls, all the trim. They sent this couple here down on this side here from Alaska. They were down there working with me for two weeks. They sent other people down to help me. These were the coordinators, and they were there helping me in, the in that house. 
and they knew what it was. They knew I was Adventist. They knew I wanted to make it a home where people can come and, and be it from the street or wherever it was to come. And you know what the amazing thing is? And I thank them for this. Not once did they ask me to come to their church. They were there. But we had prayer before we started. We had prayer at the end of the day. But they were there, and I, I talked about them. He said, we are here to go God's work to help you, but not to get you to come to our church. You have a place of fellowship. I thought, well, I said, thank you. And uh, so anyway, I found that very, very powerful. Now here's the what, next one. This is a pastor, a Baptist pastor that I met after the flood. Really neat guy. We had great conversations. And one day, just the two of us sitting, he goes, tell me about the Sabbath. So I shared with him about the Sabbath, and he would come over to help. And so it was unique who was coming to help and who was out there helping. Yeah, I just found it amazing. And also what we're doing in the house, whoever was coming in that I knew was spiritually minded, I asked them, would you like to write something in the walls? And my walls would fill up. And here's what he wrote. May he who began a good work in you carry it on to come in him. You know the scripture, then you wrote it down, Brother Scott at the back. We had different people that were coming in and all through the Joyce's and all through the walls were sayings and scripture and prayers in that place. And I thought that was so amazing. One day when I was there working, I saw uh, some people walking outside and they had a sign, free prayers. And I went out and I said, Oh, I introduced myself. I said, you're giving free prayers? And they said, yes. And I said, well, come on in the house. That was our first, besides working with the reform, Christian reform people, this was our first group prayer. And I said, come on in. And they came in and we had prayer. We circled and we had prayer inside the house. Community, building community, right? Now, this is here at the open house. We had, uh, this is the house when it's uh, finished. So I didn't get the picture from the outside. This gentleman on the right, he helped me with the flooring. This is the elder from the church. There's school board superintendent. There's artists. There's just people that came over from different walks of life. They came and we actually had prayer to dedicate the home. I, what I found so amazing with it all is, is that even though for a little period of time, I was wondering what was going to happen. I didn't know what was going to happen. God kept on putting on my heart, watch what I do. Watch what I do. And what it was, was to resurrender my heart, resurrender everything, and also resurrender and dedicate that property and that house to him. Like I said, there's no church in that area. But you know what now? The Baptist church is gone. The kingdom hall is gone. This is the only one that's in that area. And it's out of the home. I find that quite amazing. And uh, I, the other part is, is that you know how people will help? I mentioned about a guy that I, I, I surrendered to on his rooftop. I mentioned that, the, I think, the first, the first day. He called me up. They're atheists, they're non-believers, their whole family, right? He calls me up and he goes, we have a little something here from you and a little something from my parents. I said, okay. For his parents, 
They're in the liquor business. They've got a lot of businesses. And I, I, he, he said to me, I want to meet you in town. So I met him in town. All I did for the parents is I built a deck for them and a fence. So I got paid. But when I met him, he gave me two envelopes. Inside a check for $1,000 from him and his wife. And in the other envelope was $5,000 from the other people, his parents. And, and the, all he said is, to continue what you're doing, but do not say our names. That's the way he wanted it left. And I see them, and it's been a real blessing. And I just wanted to share that, um, that, I, that it was amazing. And after some priding from the, uh, the pastor of our church, uh, because they helped him. And uh, he said, you better help this guy. So they came out and gave me a few thousand dollars to help me out. But it actually did come around. And it's amazing how uh, I had to say that. But it's amazing how God will use other people. He'll use other people. And I just want to say thank you for the time, time spent. And God bless you. Tomorrow we're going to share more about how we conduct these programs in the home and exactly what is happening in the home. Amen. Thank you. God bless. Amen. Keep praying and keep listening to that person that may not be a believer in your life. Amen. Praise the Lord. Thank you so much. Can you all give it, Jerry, a big amen? Amen. Amen. You know, I was thinking of a scripture as you were finishing, Jerry. He turns the hearts of kings like the rivers of water whithersoever he will. What an amazing blessing. And by the way, these, this, these liquor people wanted to give Jerry uh, a trust fund from the liquor investments that they had. And he said no. And what Jerry said to them was, dig a little deeper. They had other investments. They were surprised that Jerry would say no because he, he, they wanted to further his ministry, but he wouldn't take the money from the liquor investments. And so they have oil investments. And they said to him, what did they say to they, you? He, I said, dig a little deeper. And then he contacts me, he goes, calls me over, and he goes, I, would you be willing to take money from my oil? He says, I set up a trust fund. I'll pay the taxes, so it's all tax-free. Will you accept this? And every three months... He usually sends a And the, the timing of it is perfect. Could I read this one, yeah, one verse? Yes, yeah. so you see how God is using atheists to further the, Jerry's work with the Living Free programs in Canada. Amen. It was him also that actually gave me the money to meet Vicki, to go to Florida to get training when I went to training. And I almost didn't let him speak in my class because I didn't know who he was. So here we are. Joshua 3, and I've got to wrap up in this yeah. class. Joshua 3. Yeah. I was reading this the other day and, and again today. Um, and it came to pass. Came, first it says, sanctify yourself, right? About the priests. And it came to pass when the people removed their, uh, from their tents to the Passover over the Jordan. And the priests began bearing the Ark of the Covenant before the people. And as they bear the Ark were come to the Jordan, and the feet of the priests and the bearer of the ark were dipped into the brim of the water, because that was the highest time in the year. It wasn't a low time. So it wasn't when just nothing was happening in our lives, but when we're overwhelmed Amen. by the floods, right? Amen. What did they do? They put their feet in the water, and the water above stopped flowing. Amen. 
So that's what happens Amen. even in our lives today. Amen. Thank you. Trust. Would you have our closing prayer, Jerry? Would yes. you stand for closing prayer, please? Oh, Lord, I wish this continued another week. <laughs> Dear Lord, we just want to say thank you for this day and thank you for your love, Lord, and the plan of salvation and how you reach out to us. Lord, I just want to pray for everybody here. If they have a family member or a friend that they've been praying for, and they haven't been seeing results that they like or they think is supposed to be happening or is supposed to be happening. Lord, we just want to pray that we have the patience. We pray that we put them in your hands because, Lord, what you say is give me that burden and watch how I compensate you. You don't need to be carrying that burden. Just let me work through you. We thank you. We praise you. And every person that is here, we uplift them to you. May you guide and bless them we pray in jesus precious name amen. amen this media was brought to you by audioverse a website dedicated to spreading god's word through free sermon audio and much more if you would like to know more about audioverse or if you would like to listen to more sermons please visit www.audioverse.org <laughs>